0: Shalom Mishbucha. This is Sid Roth. Meshbucha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishbucha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program, it's supernatural television producer. Donna Chavez.
1: Thank you, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today. I'm Donna Chavez. Now, I know you hear a lot of great information and teaching here about the spiritual realm and, and the supernatural. Well, today is no exception, but this is definitely something very unique that it, it might be new for you. It was for me, so don't miss a minute of it. Our guest wants to invite you on a fantastic journey of experiencing the presence of God in the elements of creation we're talking about natural elements being supernaturally affected by the spirit of God now you may say what are you talking about we're talking about the earth wind lightning the cosmos fire water so let's get started please welcome founder of school of revivalists David Edwards hi David.
2: Hey thanks for having me
1: <laughs> absolutely I, I have to say as much as we hear here at Messianic vision and it's supernatural this was new for me so I'm so so excited. Before we delve into the details let me just ask you this just give us give us some examples of some of the unique experiences you've had in this realm
2: Yes we've seen the fire of God appear. It even rained one time inside of a building. The lightning of God also flashed inside of a building. We saw the stars of heaven, the cosmos, shine through the canopy at a tent revival. Even the wind of God blew through the room and it led to awe, wonder, healing, and excitement for what Jesus was doing. My house shook in the presence of God. we seen even Other churches where the ground beneath the building began to shake, even people driving in cars down the road. And what does this lead to? In one of the encounters, we saw a whole group of detention students who were saved and healed in the presence of God in these amazing encounters.
1: Yes. Well, I want to start. I want to go back a little bit and start here. Um, I, I know the supernatural is not, is not new for you. you. You were saved as a child. You were filled with the Spirit shortly after that at a youth camp. And, and after you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you had a vision. What, what was your vision?
2: So, yeah, I was, I was there, and the power of God hit me, and I couldn't stand. I don't know if I had ever seen anyone fall out in the Spirit before. And um, I I don't know if the Spirit really took my strength to stand away or if I was just so excited to get a touch from God. But I found myself on the floor. I never had a vision. I didn't even really know what visions were. But when I was on the floor, the, the Spirit of God was shaking and vibrating through my being. And I saw like the Holy Spirit kind of like this blue energy. I didn't know that was Shekinah or Glory Realm or anything like that. I had no grit at all. I saw these waves of glory that would go into me, and then I would see this black cloud kind of leave me. It's like I was in a Holy Spirit washing machine, so the Spirit of God was flowing <laughs> in and out of me. And it was amazing to be able to see, because in the natural, I was just lying there kind of shaking on the floor. But the Lord opened my eyes immediately, and I saw that blue wave going in and out, and I knew that He was washing me clean, and He was delivering me.
1: Yes. Yes, David. Now you've written a new book called *Mystify: Operating in the Mystery of God*. Two questions: Why this book, and why now?
2: So we've been on this amazing journey of just, you know, the, the first ten to fifteen years of our life, we saw God do a tons of supernatural stuff. We were really inspired. We had a history at Brownsville revival, and uh, seeing God do different things. But all of a sudden, right around 2014, 15, 16. Some of these encounters I had only seen and heard about began to happen in our lives. And not only did they happen in our lives, they, they kind of followed each other. It kind of it went from glory to glory to glory. And it all seemed, as we were living it, like chapters of a book that began to unfold. Yes. So as we kind of got to um, a little bit about halfway through the season, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is reading just like a story. <laughs> So I started writing the book before the story was finished being told.
1: You know what I love about this, David? One of the things that you do and say and teach is in this book, you invite others to take this journey with you. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that. But but I, I had read this, that that you encourage the readers as you read through this book, pray visualize, and place yourself in the journey. Is that your aim to help others experience this as well and not just tell them your story?
2: Absolutely. And whenever we teach, me and my wife, Alicia, we want to be informational, so we tell you what happened, but we also want to be experiential. We want to invite you into the experience, and we want to be activational so you can reproduce that experience in your own life. And so that's how I read the Bible. I began reading the Bible one time about the story of Elijah going to heaven and Elisha watching him take off. Yes. And I thought, I wonder what it would have been like to be there. <laughs> so the Bible was an invitation for me to experience all the wonderful and amazing stories taking place in there. So as I began to write Mystify, I took a turn from my previous writing style in my other books, and I really wanted it to almost be a menu to present the people, to say, see how good God is, see how supernatural he is, and here's how you can have the meal. You pray, put yourself in the story, visualize what happened with me, and you can see it activated in your own life, because I want to share these experiences. I saw in the Bible, and Jesus shared them with me, and he shared them with me, because I want to be a good chef. (laughs) So if you're listening, I want to be a good chef, (laughs) and I want to say these experiences aren't exclusive for me, they aren't exclusive for the people in the Bible. It's an invitation. It's a table that Holy Spirit is setting for you to step up and say, hmm, I think I'll have some of this. Yes. And I think I'll taste a little bit of that. And just like we gather together as family um, during Thanksgiving or other times of the year, I want the book to be an invitation for you to gather together. Ooh, I wonder I wonder what this, this meal over here tastes like. I wonder what this dish tastes like. And I think that as people read the book, and if you're listening as you read the book, I think some of these encounters will stick out to you. And that might be where you start. That might be your appetizer. Yes. And you dive in right there, but then you'll see some of the other encounters be both unlocked and activated in your life.
1: That is amazing. I want to tell you one little thing that you're going to find exciting, I do believe, I know you will. What you're saying was actually realized When we were working on your book here, because uh, as everybody knows, uh, if you are getting something from Sid Roth, then you know that that person we have, we've studied them, we've studied their ministry, we have vetted them, because Sid always wants to make sure that what we are presenting to our listeners and our viewers, we stand behind it fully. So one of our readers that was actually reading the book first to just see, oh yeah, if, if this is a fit for us... While she was reading the book and while you were inviting people to, oh, yeah, come along with this journey with us, she actually encountered the presence of God. And that was at work. (laughs) That was at work. Yay, God. Yay, God. (laughs) I I will say yes to that. You mentioned a moment ago that this kind of started for you uh, 2015, 2016 on a ministry trip.
2: Yes. So we were being sent out by our spiritual father and mentor, Lace Hetland, um, to go to a couple of churches. We lived in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. We were going over to Alabama to do some ministry. And we had been in itinerant ministry for over 10 years at that point. But this is the first time we were really sent out
1: mm-hmm. by a
2: father mm-hmm. to go do ministry. And as he was praying for us in his office, we really felt like, wow. You know, here's a spiritual father who's poured into the nations and he's sending us. And so it kind of added some of his strength and some of his ministry to ours. And we felt so full just going out. And that began to take our expectation to a level it's never been before. Yes. And as we went out, we had seen some of these elemental encounters begin to happen. But we went out as a son and daughter. Yes. One of the verses I use to frame the book is Romans 8 19. It's one of my favorite verses of all time. It says, all creation groans. Uh, some translation says, all creation is standing on tiptoe, <laughs> full of expectation for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. That means that creation itself was created to be a vehicle for kingdom families. Wow. And so when we go out, creation itself gets excited. Wow, there's a son and a daughter of God present in the earth. We went to our first ministry trip to uh, the church in Alabama. It was a little church. I I could give you directions there, and you probably still couldn't find it. (laughs) But even though that church wasn't well known, the people there were hungry. They loved the Lord, and they invited us into their environment. And that morning was incredible. We saw... We saw the wind of God literally blow through the room. <laughs> the Spirit of God; people's hair was fluffing up in the air. The pages were, the pages were rustling in the books. That might be one of the most uh, strong encounters I've actually experienced of the wind. And then immediately after that, the Holy Spirit broke out. Um, we saw several people healed, and um, touched, and delivered. And we prayed and ministered after the service, and the power of God came down very, very mightily, and so we went out to eat um, with some of the young people after the meeting, and they were really, really excited because following the wind encounter, they showed me a video of a bottle of water, and the inside of the bottle of water was shaking and vibrating. Honestly, it looked like the movie Jurassic Park oh, when the no. dinosaur was approaching, but that made me think. If the dinosaur caused the water to vibrate, then... Jesus is much bigger than a dinosaur if you saw him in his spirit. Like, who was present to make that water vibrate? When the presence of God shows up, it bends natural laws, it bends natural realities. Yes. And we drove home to Atlanta after that lunch, but the young people were so hungry, and they were so just on fire for Jesus, they went back to the church to pray that night. And they had it in an encounter that was similar unto the book of Acts that was similar to other stories in church history. Wow. As they began to pray in the sanctuary, the ground underneath the building began to shake and vibrate <laughs> in the presence of God. And the fruit of that is that they were burning young people on fire, desiring to see not only a touch for themselves, but after that encounter, they're like, I think we can change our city. I think our city can be impacted by what God's doing right here so going out being sent out as family creation began to respond to kingdom family sons and daughters mothers and fathers doing life together in the presence of jesus in the earth
1: oh i hear you say the presence you know the you, you started seeing this wind uh the presence of god was filling the place and then there were signs and wonders and miracles that were happening i see that tell me about the experience that you had when your own house shook.
2: Yes, this is one of the encounters that really started uh, this whole sequence of events. It's the first chapter in the book. And um, I've I'd been, I'd been desiring just more of God. And one day I was in my study and I was praying and I was on my hands and knees. It was just one of those moments to where I felt like I really needed to get low to get in His presence. And as I was praying, I was lying there, and I wasn't really feeling anything. (laughs) I felt like, okay, (laughs) God, this must be one of those times when I'm just going to choose to pray, I'm going to make it about you, and I'm not going to make it about me. And I'm sure that later on, I'll see the fruit of my prayer. I'm just being honest. I just kind of—it was one of those days where it was kind of hard. I know if you're listening, you may have been there when— when you really want to pray, and it, it just becomes difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's joy, and it's wonderful. And most of the time, that's where I live. It's like that for me. But that day was a little bit different. And to be quite honest with you, my expectation may have may have started to wane a little bit. But as I was on my hands and knees, I thought, you know, I'd heard other ministers say, but, but what if you just wait? What if you just stay a few moments longer? So I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to wait for you. And we all know the Bible's verse that says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise on the wings of eagles." So as I was waiting, the word that I had read before that I had been digested in my years and in my life with Jesus was actually coaching me and motivating me to remain in his presence. So I'm waiting, and all of a sudden I hear thump, 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 like someone had run all the way up onto my front porch. Hmm. And in that moment, (laughs) I knew that it wasn't the UPS (laughs) man. I knew a friend wasn't coming to visit me. All of a sudden, the atmosphere changed, and I knew it must have been an angel. And in the very next moment, my entire house began to shake and vibrate in the presence of the Lord as the presence filled the room now, I've been in a couple of earthquakes, nothing on California level where earthquakes are frequent, but I've felt a couple of tremors, maybe level four or so, and I knew immediately that it wasn't an earthquake because the way the house was shaking was like this fine buzzing, this fine vibrating that was just going through the walls. And it's amazing how when Jesus comes close, our natural senses and our spiritual senses get heightened what he's actually doing it's like Jesus lets us know what he's up to in these incredible moments and the drywall the studs the foundation the ceiling were all shaking but they weren't just being shook it's as if they were coming alive in the presence of the Lord I remember in the Bible when Jesus says if the people don't praise me the rocks themselves will cry out and it's as if the house was crying out saying yay the king is here the king (laughs) is here and simultaneously, as I'm experiencing this in my office, which is which, – when the house was built, it was supposed to have been a dining room. There was a crazy chandelier above my head full of glass, and I'm thinking, yay, God's here. I hope the glass doesn't fall on me and stab me in the back. So <laughs> there's a woman of goes, wow, God. Oh, wait a minute. Like there's, there's – it really is shaking. And I kept thinking to myself in the natural, wow, my house is shaking. This is really happening. Like the Bible's real. You know, it's not just a story that we read about. The people in church history who experienced this, they weren't faking it. Wow, it's actually happening to me. God, yay, you're hearing my cry. And if you're listening, God hears your cry. He sees every prayer that you have ever prayed. And all of those prayers don't go missed. He doesn't miss any prayer that you've ever prayed. But in fact, they go into a deposit box. Yes. And then when God answers prayer, he doesn't just give you what you asked for He actually adds interest to your prayers. And so this moment for me of just desiring to experience all of God came with interest. I thought I would feel a little bit of shaking. I had no idea that day when I woke up and just chose to be with Jesus, he would choose to be with me. And I'm so thankful that he touched me. And yeah, I'm just sometimes, even though I wrote a book about it, I'm still at a loss for words that Jesus would do that for me. I feel like it's an invitation for everyone listening as well.
1: Something that you said in there, I, I caught, David. You were talking about that moment when you were just waiting. Nothing was happening, and you were just waiting, and it was silent. How important is that moment?
2: So silence really allows us to clear the air, to clear the atmosphere. Because in silence, you're really alone with your own thoughts. Now, one of the voices that Jesus will use to speak to you is often the voice that you hear the most, and that is the voice inside of your own head. You can actually use me to speak to me. With that being said, sometimes, you know, there's stray thoughts, you know, uh, do I have to go uh, do the laundry? Do I need to fold the clothes? (laughs) Um, You know, and then even the cares of the world can begin to weigh you down in moments of prayer. So waiting in silence allows Jesus to wash all of those away. All of those stray thoughts, the random thought here, the random thought there, and it allows it to kind of liquefy in his presence. So yes. your thoughts can entirely and 100% turn to him. Yes. And, but moments of silence can also stretch us. You know, it's like, God, do you really hear my prayer? And it's, is this God saying, are you here for me alone or are you here for what I can do for you? Mm hmm. And it pushes past our motives and our agenda to even be with God. So we're left with intimacy with Him alone. But with that intimacy comes His heart. And with His heart comes His desire for you and His desire for His kingdom. And with that comes the whole entrance in the flood of heaven to earth.
1: Yes, yes. And I know you encourage people to take that moment of silence too and let it let it cultivate expectation during that time that it's silent
2: absolutely it's you're just okay I'm there and I'm waiting if you're into sports you could be waiting for the game to start if you like movies you could be waiting for the movie to start if you love uh, theme parks and it's the day before you go to Disney World that expectation of everything that comes on the day before builds anticipation for the experience And there's something about waiting for God that moves past discipline to excitement. And you're like, wow, the lover of my soul is coming and moving and he's doing things in my life. And so I think silence is also a breeding ground for the expectations we've been talking about today.
1: Yes, yes. I want to read this one sentence here. Sometimes when I'm working on a program or an interview and I, I get these, I see these little nuggets in these sentences. I'll, I'll type them on my computer and print them out and, and paste them onto my cabinets. <laughs> so this one is wonderful. It says, expectancy accelerates the plans of God because it transforms hope into belief, pulling tomorrow into today. Who?
2: Wow <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what yeah. I said. you know what? I read yeah. that probably about four times. Wow yeah
2: and, and so that's true. that's for me, it's like it's hearing a testimony and knowing it's available. And so I can I can I can choose to hear that testimony and think, okay, I'll put this on my bookshelf or like you did, I can hear that testimony and think, okay, I know that God's up to something. I know something's available. And by expecting it, I can actually reach into the future and grab it and say, Lord, I want to experience all your plans for me now. And it accelerates our growth in God. It accelerates our process. God's hungry for those who are hungry for Him. And if I'm hungry for the Lord, it's not because I'm not eating. It's because I'm eating and I continually want to eat more of everything that He's put on His table. And if He places a good, solid meal in front of me, an experience, a testimony, a testimony, a healing, a miracle, and I digest that meal, I'm not satisfied with that meal. I expect that the next meal is going to be greater and it's going to be better.
1: Yes, yes. I want to ask you one more question while we're right here before we go on to one of the other experiences here. You talk about stewarding encounters. What was your experience with that?
2: So when the wind of God began to blow, oh, I feel it even now talking to you. That was unexpected. Sometimes He shows up before you even pray because prayer verbalizes something that's already going on in your heart. Mm -hmm. So sometimes my heart accelerates the words before they can even come out of my mouth. So thank you for your presence, Lord. And if you're listening, don't wait for the interview to end. lean your heart of expectation of the encounters that you're hearing about, and you may begin to experience some of what God's already doing. And I so apologize because I all of a sudden felt his presence. I forgot your question. Oh, no, no, no. I, I
1: don't believe anybody expects an apology there. <laughs> that <laughs> I, I am happy to ask it again. You teach on stewarding encounters, and you mentioned a spider web, which was so visual to me. Uh, what do you mean about stewarding encounters?
2: Yes, yes. So when I first felt the wind, it was really subtle, but I began to look for it every single day. Oh, Lord, can you touch me in your wind again today? Because the wind for me was a connection with his presence, with his faith. I wasn't choosing the wind over him. I was choosing him, and when I choose him, he's created everything. So part of him is expressed through the wind. And so I didn't just have that one-time encounter and keep going with my life. I began to look for it day in. And day out. So for me, that's what I mean by stewarding. Mm, I'm practicing yes. his presence, as brother Lawrence would say. Yes. And as I began to do that and I would think about some of these past encounters that we had, I realized that in the midst of the encounter, God did a lot more than my natural mind could comprehend. You know, if you're if it's in the middle of summer, you might be walking out to your car, and sometimes, you know, spiders, they're sneaky. And they'll build a web in between cars. And sometimes if we walk right through it. We might walk right, right through a spider web when we go out our door in the morning and you're pulling the spider web off of you and you know, you're brushing it off your shoulders and getting it off your shirt. Sometimes later on in the day, you'll look down and it's like, Oh man, some of that spider web still stuck to me. I didn't realize how much of the spider web have actually gotten onto me in the moment. And I think our encounters and experiences with God are like that. When we first have the encounter, it's like, wow, here's what God did. But then later on, as we steward it and we revisit the encounter, we think about it, we bring it before the Lord, we write it down. Oh, wow, God did a lot more in that moment than I realized. I thought he did A, B, and C, but he did E, F, G, H, I, J, K as well. (laughs) And those extra letters are kind of like the spiderwebs sticking to you because any encounter— for us, is a moment of God touching us. It's a moment of heaven touching earth. Our realm is limited. His realm is unlimited. So as his realm fills our realm, then we start seeing limitations broken. We start seeing the impossible become possible. So if I have an experience there, that means that that experience there is unlimited. And I have access to go back to that encounter because Jesus himself lives outside of time. Yes. The realm of heaven is outside of time. So I might have experienced an encounter five, ten, fifteen years ago, but if I access Jesus, I can revisit that encounter because he lives outside of the realm. You know, in Hebrew, this the idea of time. In 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 our Western thought uh, you know, here in America, we see time as, you know, one, two, three, four. It's chronological. Well, the Hebraic concept of time is more um cylindrical or spherical. That means it spirals upwards and expands. That means if you have an encounter here, that kind of prophesies that that encounter is available again in the future, but even in a greater and more expansive way, and then it's available again. That's why some of the prophetic literature in the Old Testament seems to kind of of happen again. It kind of reoccurs, but it reoccurs on a higher level. And then it reoccurs on a higher level as the people steward the encounter from generation to generation. That's why they would tell the story. Here's what God did here. The person would read it in the next generation and experience a very similar encounter in a more majestic way. Look at the transfer from Elijah to Elisha. Um, If you look at kind of the relationship between David and Solomon, you see that same relationship kind of between Jesus and the church. David left his son Solomon and plans to build the temple the host the presence of God in the earth. Jesus left his disciples, the Holy Spirit, to build the temple, the church, the presence of God in the earth. So you see this pattern kind of repeat itself all through the Bible. And when we realize that, wow, the Bible is an invitation for these experiences and for these encounters, then Our own personal encounters, the Bible guides us for our own personal life. So if I have an encounter in the wind, I know that more is available, more is coming.
1: Okay, so you're talking about the wind of God. You've even felt it, and people you were praying for have felt it, when you were praying for people for healing.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I woke up one day, and I just kind of had my grumpy pants on that day. (laughs) I know we've all been there. It's kind of like you get up on the run. (laughs) You get up on the wrong side of the bed, and then I don't mind shopping, but when I go shopping, I kind of like to go in and go out. But that day, my wife's like, hey, let's go shopping, and I enjoy shopping with her. But we have a couple of different definitions of shopping. (laughs) So we go into a store, (laughs) and I kind of look through the men's section, and I do a lap around the whole store. And I go and find my wife, and my wife is just getting started. And so me being grumpy, I kind of like, I'm going to go wait in the car, you know. As I go out towards the car, I walk around an aisle of clothing and I see a lady standing on the end of the aisle. And she has a cast on her foot. Mm. And the voice of the Lord, Holy Spirit, speaks to me and he says, Her. I was like, Really, guy? Can't you see I'm grumpy? <laughs> so I, I turn back around, go up to Alicia and say, I'm so sorry. I, I was grumpy today, but Jesus just told me to go pray for a lady. Are we cool? She's like, We're cool. Go pray for the lady. I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I go back around the corner, the lady's still there, and I walk up and I said, hi, how's it going? What happened to your foot? And she's like, oh, well, I I severed my Achilles tendon, and I just got out of the hospital from surgery to reattach it, and I have this cast on my foot. I said, oh, no. I said, are you in pain? She said, yeah, a little bit. I said, do you mind if I pray? For you, I think God can touch you. We've seen God do amazing things. And and I just saw you today and he highlighted you. And so I built a bridge to connect her with the experience. And she's like, absolutely, go ahead. So right in the middle of the store, I leaned over, I put my hand above her cast. And as I began to pray, I felt the wind of God blow across the bottom of the store. And I was just, I was shocked. I, I looked up and I said, do you feel the wind of God blowing across your foot? And her eyes went real big. She said, uh-huh. And I said, how's the pain level? She said, it's gone. And I said, aren't you excited about what Jesus has done? She's like, yes, glory to God. You could tell she was a believer. But in feeling the wind of God and the healing touch, she walked into an encounter that day. Yes, And it's amazing how God sets it up, even though I was grumpy and I wasn't feeling his presence and I wasn't even in a good mood because we were out shopping. God bypassed my attitude and he set that lady up to come into that store at the exact same time that Dave with his grumpy pants would be there (laughs) to show her and to have her experience his healing touch, to show her how much he means to her. So if you're listening, you might be having a bad day. It might be one of those days, even now, as you're listening to this podcast, where you're like, huh? Well, maybe I have my grumpy pants on today, too. Our grumpy pants can't stop God from moving through us.
1: Oh, amen. And you
2: know what happens when God uses us, when we're not feeling like it, when we're not feeling spiritual? It's an opportunity. It's an extra opportunity for him to get all of the glory because deep down inside, we know it definitely, it's never us, but we know at those points it definitely wasn't us because. We weren't even into it. But God can still use us no matter how our day has been, no matter how our day is going. If we'll listen and obey when he speaks to us, that's the gateway to experience an amazing healing touch. They can see someone's life transformed that day.
1: Yes. Well, let me take just a second here. You're listening to our special guest, David Edwards. Are you intrigued yet? (laughs) I certainly was, and I'm sure you are. But we can't fit everything into this program, so David has prepared a powerful and unique resource package for you. It's his brand-new book, Mystify, Operating in the Mystery of God, plus his brand-new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series called The Power of Expectation. Now, as always, Sid will be here at the end of the program to tell you how you can get David's brand new book Mystify, operating in the mystery of God, and his exclusive audio teaching series, The Power of Expectation. So don't miss it. Okay, David, I want to talk about learning to see a little bit. You you've got a couple of secrets that were just amazing to me.
2: So, when it comes to God doing supernatural things, It's the ability to see what God is doing and not get distracted by what God isn't doing. You know, Moses, when he was out in the desert, it says that he noticed there was a bush on fire but not consumed. Yes. And he could have chose to keep walking and thought, wow, that was neat and that was amazing. But he turned his gaze into the encounter. Sometimes God will give us a glimpse of something to see if we'll turn our gaze towards what he's doing. Yes. And as he turns his gaze into the encounter, God began to speak to him. He says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And Moses, all of the sudden, it's as if he walks off the earth into the presence of God. And we see the whole nation of Israel transformed in that moment. And so God began to speak to me about some of the encounters that way. It's not in the magnitude of the encounter, but in the more like Jesus that you become. And because we're to be like Jesus, and one of the ways that we realize that is through us experiencing these encounters, then it's having eyes to see those encounters. When I first felt the wind, it was very subtle, but it caught my attention. And it's easy to bypass the subtle because in the subtle is hidden the substantial. I used to think about mustard-sized faith, and yes. I would try to cram the mountain experience into the mustard seed. And Jesus is like, hey, man, <laughs> hey, Dave, you've got this backwards. All I need is a little bit of belief from you that might look like a mustard seed. But if you're willing to give me that little bit of belief, you'll see the mountain size prayers being answered in your life. Yes. So I want to look for what God is doing and not focus on what the Lord isn't doing I have a good friend who activates on seeing in the spirit, Blake Healy. I know he's been on the show, and he says one of the first keys is to look. So when I heard Blake uh, instruct that we can look to see in the spirit and to, to change our gaze to what's happening in the spirit, I thought, well, what if I take that tool and that cue and I begin to, to look at encounters that way? We look for healing. When we pray for healing, we look at what God is doing, how God is touching. And sometimes we can have the idea that if the wind of God's going to blow in the room, then a tornado is going to come through the room. <laughs> and that's how I looked at it for many, many years. But when I began to feel the small little difference of what was happening in the room, kind of like the cloud the size of a man's hand, then that one cloud became many clouds and the encounters began to increase around my life.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, I had a little check in my spirit right there as you were saying that. And and I'm thinking there have been times in my life where I said, you know, God, I'm not seeing anything. But as you were talking, I thought, was I looking? Was I looking?
2: Mm -hmm. If you're listening, I know all of us have been there and I've been there many, many times. It's like, God, where are you? What's going on? And that even happened when the house shook. I was kind of like, God, where are you? What's going on? And then all of the sudden, God's really into suddenly. Yes, he is. (laughs) And all of the sudden, he comes in with that answered prayer. I even feel like right now, someone listening, you're waiting on a promise. And he has that promise. He's been keeping it safe. And I actually see like a locket. And when the locket's opened up, I see both a gem and a picture. And I think the gem speaks of provision. I think it also speaks of experiencing more of God. And I think the picture speaks of a family that you once had, but also a family that's being restored and coming your way, and you're going to find your way in family again. And when the locket was closed, it was golden on the outside. And I think that speaks of just being close to God's heart. You've always been there. He hasn't forgotten about you. Mm-hmm. So as you hear this and as you're listening, turn aside to see, visualize the locket, visualize what was happening in there. And I believe that He's got a whole set of things that He wants to speak and He wants to reveal to you as you turn the eyes of your heart toward Him. And you're going to feel His love in a brand new way. Yes. And all of these encounters are about God Himself. They're about Him touching us and doing amazing things in our life. So if I can turn the attention of my eyeballs, if I can turn the attention of my ears to hear what He may be speaking, if I can turn my body to feel what He may be how he may be touching me, then we'll realize that the supernatural is not that far off. You know, earth exists in the setting of heaven. And when we turn our hearts to what Jesus is doing, we're going to see the whole world in a whole new way. The grass will be greener. The sky will be bluer. The water that we drink will taste better. Everything around us will be enhanced because it's as if we're seeing it through heaven's eyes.
1: Yes, yes, wow. I want to ask you about this particular encounter that you had with the fire. Now, this happened inside, correct?
2: Yes. So one day, again, me and my wife weren't being too spiritual. It was one of those um, one of those down times. We were just kind of sitting in front of TV watching one of our shows that we like to watch. And as we were sitting there in our living room, Now, our house kind of had an open floor plan. Well, next to the living room was the kitchen, and then next to the kitchen was the study, the same study where the house began to shake during that prayer time. Now, the study has an opening both from the kitchen and from the entryway to our house. So on either side of the two different walls, there's a big opening that both go into the study. And as we're sitting there, all of a sudden, fire came out of the study. It wrapped around the wall. And it dropped down, turned into lightning, and shot out <laughs> through our living room. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And if that sounded crazy, seeing it was crazy as well. We, <laughs> we, we jumped up. We're like, well, at first we looked at each other like, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. You're double-checking everything that's happening, And then you respond in the natural. Hey, like, is our house on fire? Like, what's going on? So I jump up. I ran in there. No burn marks on the ceiling no residue, and I look back down into our living room at the fireplace, full of awe and of wonder. (laughs) Was it an angel? I don't know. Was it just a manifestation of Holy Spirit fire? I don't know. I know that that day, it was a mystery and an invitation for more of God. But now, when someone talks about Holy Spirit fire and the fire of God, wait a minute, I've been there I've seen that. I've experienced that. And just like I keep referring to Elisha and Elijah, but one of the reasons that Elisha had to see Elijah go to heaven is because someone needed to be there to be able to tell the others what the fire that came from yes. the chariots felt like. Someone needed to be there to recite what the winds the whirlwind felt like to the other people, someone needed to be able to repeat the encounter for the next generation. Yes. And sometimes the signs that make you wonder for us, this is one of those moments, but now we can share, Hey, we experienced the fire. And then when when you tell someone that you experienced the fire of God, it lights a fire in their life because fire by default burns
1: Okay, David, wow. I know you have had so many of these encounters and you've learned a lot from them. What do you instruct people or how do you instruct people to handle encounters?
2: So after that fire encounter, we didn't really know what to do. And we just kind of sat back down and kept watching the TV show. <laughs> Sometimes the, sh- the shock and awe factor is a little bit too much for the body to handle. Yes. But one of the things I do is I turn my heart towards Jesus I know that that was a special touch from him and an invitation for more of him. So if you find yourself in an encounter like that, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to process it. You don't know how to act or how to respond. Just turn your affection and your gaze towards Jesus. Each experience is a guide moving from glory to glory as we become more like Jesus. Encounters display God's endless array of affection and commitment to us any moment in his presence will change earth and change us continually. So those encounters are an invitation for us to grow. Some encounters are so amazing, it's like we can't function. Even John himself, the apostle, the beloved, in the encounter in the book of Revelation, one of the jobs of the angel there was just to help him go through the encounter. John would often find himself falling flat on his face at the majesty of what he was experiencing. And the angel would stand him up, brush him off, saying, hey, you got this. Let's stay in the game. (laughs) That's Dave's translation. (laughs) Yes. Let's go through this because Jesus has so much more to show you. And I think that's what these encounters are for us. If one encounter says anything, it's that Jesus has so much more to show us. So even though some of these encounters I didn't engage immediately and I went back into them later, I began to notice the, the pattern of, If there's this much of Jesus right here, I know he has so much more to show us. If the earth begins to shake and the wind begins to blow, I know that the fire's there. But in knowing that the fire's there, I know that the wind's there. And knowing that the wind's there, I know that the voice is coming and he's going to speak something new to and through me. So I don't want to make a camp at one encounter. Yes. You know, Peter wanted to build tabernacles because he thought that was it. Heaven opened up. There's Moses. There's Elijah. There's Jesus. Everything's being fulfilled. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't build a monument where there's movement. Mm -hmm. I want to keep going. It's okay to have memory stones that remind us of what God did so we can see it again and again and again. So encounters prophesy to us that there's always more of God because he's endless. He's majestic. He's full of awe, wonder, and glory. And it goes from glory to glory, from invitation to invitation, from encounter to encounter.
1: Yes, yes. I'm sure you get this question a lot. How do you know that these encounters are genuine?
2: For me, it all comes down to his presence. If I'm having an encounter and his presence is there, his presence certifies that the encounter is genuine. Yes, He is the authenticator. If you have his presence, as Papa Leif Hitler says, you have everything. Yes. But if you don't have his presence, you have nothing. Yes. And so all of these encounters are verified by the fact that it comes from Jesus and leads back to Jesus. True encounters always increase and strengthen our connection with him. He is the centrality. He is the goal. He is the end product. He is the reason for the experience. The presence of God affects everything around us. Yes. When we experience Jesus in private, others will encounter him in public. And, you know, it says in Matthew 6, 6, before the Lord's prayer, this big, majestic thing, he says, go into your inner room. But when we go into our inner room and live our lives with Jesus and his space, then when we go out in public, he'll invade our space. Yes. And the fact that we've been with his presence in private, when we begin to repeat and preach and share what he's doing in our lives, he's always going to back up the encounter with his presence.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, I love that so much. What if you are in an environment, a room or whatever, and you see a curtain move or something like that? Do you automatically assume, oh, wow, that was supernatural. Did you see that curtain move? What, what's your strategy there?
2: Always check the natural before assuming the supernatural. Oh, that's, For me, especially yeah. activating encounters, I want to protect the integrity of the encounter. You know, I don't want to say that God did this when, no, the air conditioner was on or the fan was blowing. You know, I want to certify that. I want to, I want to have his presence, but I check the natural atmosphere, and I'm always aware. If I feel the wind blowing, like you just said, I'm not just going to say, oh, the wind's blowing, but I'm standing underneath the air conditioner. <laughs> Now, that has happened, but the wind was blowing one way, but then when the presence of God came in, the wind blew the other way. Um, I'm jealous to preserve the integrity of the experience, and I want God to get credit for what he is doing. So, yeah, it's really simple. Check the atmosphere. You can check the natural atmosphere, and when you check the natural atmosphere, you can say, well, this was happening and this is happening, but here's when God came in and here's what God himself was doing. That way God gets the credit and the adoration and the glory that he deserves when he shows up and he create in these amazing supernatural ways.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Let me take just another second here. Sid and I definitely want to encourage all of you that are listening to get this amazing resource package by our guest, David Edwards. And once again, it's his brand-new book, Mystify, Operating in the Mystery of God, plus his brand-new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series, The Power of expectation. Now be sure and listen for Sid at the end of the program to find out how you can get David's brand new book and audio teaching series for yourself, maybe your study group, or even your church library. So be sure and listen at the end of the program. David, there's a couple more I want to cover real quick before we leave. This one is... I have to say, mm, boy, it's hard to pick a favorite, but for some reason, this one just uh, really just excited me. You mentioned at the beginning of the program that you were in a tent setting, a, a big, large tent setting, one time, and what happened?
2: So we were at a tent revival, and you know there was there was hundreds of people there, and we were. Just sharing the heart of the Lord with the people, and um, that night during worship, um, there's people up at the front. They're dancing. We're on the dirt, so the dust is kind of blowing in the air, and and the worship team is really leading us to that precious place to be with the Lord. And so I was there assisting uh, Lace Hetland, and you know, standing near him during the worship. And one of the young ladies I had actually seen at a couple of different conferences and events around the region walked up and said, hey, do you mind if I show you a picture? I said, absolutely. I'd love to see. And so she pulled her phone out and showed a picture of a selfie that she took of her and her friends. And when you looked at the canopy of the tent behind her and her friends, I could not believe what I was looking (laughs) at, where the tent canopy should have been all of a sudden, it's as if the natural materials faded away into the cosmos or the heavenlies. It's like the stars and the galaxies were shining through the tent canopy. And you saw like this nebula, these gases, the stars shining like uh, this purple hue kind of come through. And it's all right there. And she was just taking a picture of her and her friends. And technology was able to capture what was happening in the spirit on a cell phone.
1: Wow. Wow. And here's this word again that you keep using, expectant, expectancy, expectations. You said that moment, that wasn't the end of that. That activated expectancy in this young girl.
2: Yes, so that night was amazing. Many people gave their lives to Jesus. Many, many, many were healed as well. So she was in awe all night long from that night until the next night, just seeing God do that in such a, such a supernatural way. So the next night, as the service was getting ready to go, she was full of faith and expectation and taking pictures. She was walking around the tent just taking pictures of God did it the night before. What if God does it again? (laughs) And you see that in scripture and it's a promise for us. It's even exciting me right now to go and look for this same encounter again and again and again and again. So she was taking pictures before the service. And so service begins and we kind of get to, I I think we may have gotten to uh, the end of worship or somewhere thereabouts. And I see her with a big smile on my face and she's coming towards me. And I said, you have another picture, don't you? She said, yeah. And I was almost afraid to look at the phone. And this time she took a picture from the outside of the tent. And you can see the tent canopy. It looked kind of like a circus or a wedding tent where it kind of swooshes up to a point. It dips down into the middle. It swooshes up to another point and dips down. And where the white canopy should have been, was the Milky Way. I know (laughs) it sounds crazy. And behind it, you could see the night sky. It's like it flip-flopped. The canopy should have been there, and the night sky should have been behind the tent canopy. But beaming out of the tent canopy was the cosmos, was the stars. And it was, again, a picture of heaven on earth, of heaven shining through, and the spirit what was taking place in the natural with so many people coming to worship jesus and give their life to jesus
1: you know i i've heard so many times about you know you mentioned technology when people see something in the spirit but they can't capture it like on a camera or video or anything like that with with actual natural technology but this was so uniquely different and supernatural and the fact that The people inside the tent didn't see it, but it was actually captured through natural technology.
2: It was. It was almost like a reversal. Sometimes the things that you see aren't available on video, and sometimes it's backwards. You know, we were teaching last night at our school of revivalists about revival history and the Great Awakenings and different moves of God throughout history, and they would tell similar stories to this. The Hebridean revival in Scotland 1949— they would see things like this, but they didn't have the technology at the time to be able to capture it. Yes. So I'm thankful that we live in a generation to where we can see stuff like this. Now that my cell phone will never be a distraction. When I come to worship Jesus, it's about him, you know, but sometimes, wow, like we are able to capture those moments. So Mm -hmm. I'm not walking around constantly, constantly, constantly (laughs) with a video camera, you know, um, like I'm the, the heavenly paparazzi. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Exactly. <laughs> but sometimes we, we find ourselves in these moments where God is doing it. And when yes. the, the young lady saw it once that what her appetite for more to look for what God was doing through technology, since that was the sign and the wonder and the miracle that happened the night before.
1: You know, something that I absolutely love that, that you say, David, is that the encounter itself is not the destination. That's not what we're seeking. That's not what we're going for. That is not where we want to wind up. What is the destination?
2: That destination is Jesus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was an easy one, wasn't it? I kind of set you up for that one. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes. Yeah, he's the reason we do anything. And, you know, I know a lot of people will make statements, and I don't disagree with them, where they say, seek his face and not his hand but so I want to seek all of Jesus. You know, when he appeared after he was resurrected, they were looking at his face, but he showed them a new part of himself. And he said, hey, look at my hand, look at my side, because there's something to be seen there. His hand speaks of action, what he's doing. His side speaks of being. So in order to have an upgrade in the experience of who Jesus is, they needed to experience all of him. Yes. So that's my approach for encounters. You know, if I'm looking at the face of Jesus, and surrounding him is the whirlwind, surrounding him is fire. In fact, it says his face looks like fire. Then I want to experience these encounters because those encounters both come from him and draw me more into him. If I have an encounter that doesn't lead to Jesus, I'm going to take it over to the trash can and I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> yes. I want only Jesus. I want all of Jesus. Yes. Only Jesus and all of Jesus. And that's my approach to experiencing these encounters.
1: You know, I do want everybody listening to know that when you get David's book and when you hear his teachings, you're going to learn so much. David, let me ask you this last question before we go. I know there's so much teaching in your book. What can we do if if we want to experience heavenly encounters for ourselves? Just I, I know you can't you can't teach the whole book right now, but give us a couple of things.
2: Well, oh, it's, it's, it's really simple. Just be open to the presence of God. Look for what He is doing and not at what He's not doing. Because what He is doing could be the answer that you really need yes. the experience that He's designed to give you that day. You know, have an expectation. Look for it. You know, you're expecting God. When, I, when you wake up in the morning, what is God going to do mm, today? Yes. I can't wait to experience more of God. That could come in silence, it could come in flashing of light, it could come in his still small voice, it could come in a healing. Just be expectant and be ready for God to move how he wants to move through you. And that comes in just being willing to follow Holy Spirit, to follow his guidance, and let him take you to where he wants you to go. But you'll find that where he wants you to go and that dream that he's put inside of you, if you listen to him, often arrives at the same destination, which is more of him, more of his glory, more intimacy.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I told you that are listening that this was a uniquely supernatural program today. David, thanks so much for being with us and taking the time to be here. But will you pray? Just take a moment and pray for those that are listening before we leave.
2: I really hope that in hearing this, this stirred up your appetite for more of Jesus, the whole goal of mystify is to invite you into that encounter. So even if you're listening right now, one of the things I like to ask people to do is put your hands out in front of you, kind of like you're about to receive something or hold something. So Lord, even now, I pray that for each one listening, I can even feel the wind of God swirling around my hands. The wind wasn't blowing in the room. My air conditioner is off. So check your environment. But As you check your environment, I pray that the wind of God even now will begin to flow through your hands, Yes, even now, in Jesus' name, so that you can experience some of these things. I know that some of you, as you were listening, your heart began to burn. What what, what if God is this good? What if I could experience more of God? I can take reading about Him in the Bible to experience Him in my daily life yes. and then sharing those experiences and encounters with others. So, Lord, move on your people even now. Holy Spirit, let them fill your wind. Let them fill the vibration, your heartbeat for them. Let them feel the warmth of the fire, the presence of the river and the rain, and let them hear your voice in a fresh way today in Jesus' name.
1: Yes, yes, amen. Well, I'm Donna Chavis, and you have been listening to Messianic Vision, and now here's Sid Roth. Sid?
0: David Edwards' brand-new book, Mystify, Operating in the Mystery of God. Is an invitation for you into a supernatural journey of experiencing the presence of God in the elements of creation. Uh, What does that mean? It means encountering natural elements, being supernaturally affected by the Spirit of God. Fire, wind, rain, and so much more. Don't miss this amazing resource from David Edwards. It's his brand new book mystify, operating in the mystery of God. I have to tell you, his heart's desire is that you would do the same thing he does and impact your world the same way he's doing it. And included is the brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series, The Power of Expectation, for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call one 800 447 2697. Once again, that's 1 800 447 2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. Sid Sidroth, S I D R O T H.org. Be sure to ask for offer number 9743. Once again, that's offer number 9743.